welcome to my mommy's podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. My kitchen is always stocked with their coffee mushroom blends, their matcha mix, and their straight mushroom drinks. Four Sigmatic has figured out how to get the benefits of mushrooms like chaga, lion's mane, cordyceps, and reishi into delicious instant drinks. My current favorite is their, their adaptogen coffee blend that has Tulsi and astragalus, but I love all of their products. They have options with or without caffeine, so if you're not a caffeine person, you can find products that you'll love. Um, and I find that even their coffee blends that do contain caffeine have less than a normal cup of coffee, but don't let this fool you. I have found I get so much more focus and mental clarity from these mushroom blends than I do from regular coffee and without the jitters. The addition of the mushrooms, which are considered nootropics, meaning that they are good for the brain, makes these superfood blends more effective and much healthier than just regular old coffee. I love them with a dash of macadamia milk personally. I also love that many of their drink mixes are instant and packaged into individual servings, so they're perfect for travel or on the go. If you're listening to this, then you can get a special offer just for listeners of this podcast by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash F-O-U-R dash S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C. That's wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash four dash sigmatic. This podcast is brought to you by Kettle and Fire. You may already know that this is my go-to bone broth because it is shelf stable, it's easy to use, and it's delicious. But you may not know that Kettle and Fire just released brand new bone broth-based soups, which make it even more convenient to eat healthy on the go. Plus, they save a lot of time when you're trying to feed the whole family on a busy night, and they are delicious. They have miso, tomato, and butternut, and they're all really, really good. Plus, they have a 20-hour slow simmer process for their broth that extracts an insane amount of protein, 10 grams per serving, and this creates a collagen-rich broth that is great for hair and skin and nails. My favorite part is it only takes a minute to heat up any of these broths or soup on the stove, and I can keep a case in my pantry so it's there anytime I need it. Right now, you can save 10% by going to kettleandfire.com forward slash mama, M-A-M-A. The discount is already built in, so just remember that link, kettleandfire.com forward slash mama. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Moms Podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and I cannot wait to geek out in this episode. I am here with Rowena Gates, who is the Principal and Vice President for the ENG3 Corporation, a life science technology company addressing health, wellness, and performance, and we're going to delve into exactly how in this episode. She has focused on their business development and international strategic relations for more than a decade. She's also a serial entrepreneur and so inspiring. Prior to joining this current company. She spent six years as the founder and CEO of Averick, I hope I'm saying that right, corporation, which provided internet-based solutions for international trade. She also co-founded a document imaging company, now doing business as ImageSource. Prior to this, she co-founded InPassage, one of the earliest companies to offer an internet-based solutions to the logistics industry. She received a doctorate from the University of Washington for her dissertation on international strategic alliances. So needless to say, she's wicked smart and super qualified. And I can't wait to jump in. Welcome, Rowena, and thanks for being here. Thank you, Katie. It's a real pleasure. And I'm so excited to get to chat with you about the science behind uh, your current corporation and what it does. And I know that it involves um, basically working with and reversing DNA damage, but I think we need to start at the beginning and kind of define some terms. So to start, can you explain what DNA damage is and how it occurs? 
Um, sure, the DNA damage is part of uh, a general area of cellular damage uh, that's done typically by oxidative stress or oxidation, and that's happening because we breathe oxygen and it's a damaging component of that process. So the only way to get rid of that damage is to not be alive, um, which is a, a bad alternative. So um, the idea is we want to repair the damage as fast as possible. And it occurs not just for the DNA, but the mitochondria, the cell membrane, the proteins, all different cell components are constantly being damaged. And fortunately, our body is constantly repairing them. Got it. So basically, the very act of breathing essentially causes DNA damage in today's world. Yes. Wow. Okay. So one thing I've always thought about this, I feel like um, when it comes to even things like EMFs or anything that's chronic, if we can't see the immediate damage and it isn't immediately noticeable, I think it's an easy thing to ignore for a lot of people. So can you kind of walk us through what are some of the, the long-term problems that can occur from this DNA damage? The, the biggest one, and it's not really a a problem, it's a natural process, is aging. That's the indication that we kind of lose the battle and there's more damage than there is repair. So that's the most obvious one. But people also notice a lack of energy. Maybe their immune system gets a bit weaker. They don't sleep as well. Um, that would be less balanced in the autonomic nervous system. Um, maybe they don't de detoxify as well as they did. Or there's just a, there can be a reduction in lean muscle mass. Just all of these things, and most of them are ones we associate with aging, are all indications of that ongoing process. Got it. Is there any link with uh, DNA damage and anything like, for instance, cancer or chronic disease of any kind? Yeah, all, all of them really, because the DNA is the blueprint. It's the, the template for the next cell. So if there's DNA damage, then the next cell might not be formed perfectly. And if they slowly degrade, again, that's the aging process. And so the DNA damage is absolutely key. And, and keeping it healthy is, is essential for the body to replace cells that are also healthy. Got it. And I know that the idea of telomeres, which maybe you can explain the concept better than I can, they've had their kind of day in the sun recently. There's been a lot of press about them. Does um, DNA damage, is that affecting the telomeres? You know, that's not my area of expertise, and it most it, it certainly would, that that's a, a key aspect of it. Uh, but the, the telomeres per se is, are not something we've studied directly. We have looked at double-strand DNA breaks, which are the, the complex, difficult types of breaks in the DNA, but not telomeres specifically. Got it. That makes sense. Um, and then, so even just the act of breathing can then damage the DNA. I know my background being in nutrition and lifestyle factors, um, are there other things I would guess if just breathing things in the air can, would also our exposure to chemicals in the environment or poor food, would that also cause DMA, DNA damage? Absolutely. That's the, it's those exposures that do that oxidative stress damage and, and also weaken your body's ability to repair the damage that does occur. So those are key factors. What you eat, what you put on your body and what you're exposed to are really key to reducing the repair, the, the damage side of the equation. That makes sense. Okay, so is there um, scientific evidence that the DNA can be repaired? Is this a reversible problem? And if so, can you kind of walk us through what that mechanism is by which it can be repaired? 
Yeah, all of those repair processes are taking place by protein activities. And we tend to think of protein as the kind we eat. But in this case, they're um, chains of amino acids that must fold uh, perfectly into three-dimensional structures to go out and do their job. Proteins are doing virtually everything in the body or most things in the body. And one of them includes repairing the DNA or other cell components. And so they, um, once they're initiated, they go and they fix, uh, rebuild um, whatever cell components broken. Okay. I think I'm starting to understand. So I'm also curious, um, why does the body need help repairing the cells? I guess it, I try to understand. So if aging is a natural process, normally the body, this would just happen over time. So are you basically saying like we now have the technology to be able to reverse something that was previously not technically reversible or does the body have a mechanism to do this as well? I, I believe that it's only the body that has those mechanisms. The body really needs to repair itself. And what we can do with technology today is encourage it. Some of the things we do with technology today are maybe not so helpful, but the idea is to support the body to do its own thing where it, the body already it, it, all that repair is done naturally, and and it's it, it's a matter of just supporting that rather than overriding it. Got it. So that would also be inclusive of, like you mentioned, a healthy diet and lifestyle as well. Um, and you mentioned, I think, a little bit, and I found this in researching for this podcast. Can you talk about what reactive oxygen species are, um, kind of in their role? Yeah, the reactive oxygen species are a free radical, and they are the damaging component. And they also, in the last maybe 20 to 30 years, it's been recognized that certain reactive oxygen species also have a secondary role, or actually a very important role, um, that works to trigger repair mechanisms. And so they're a little more complicated than we originally thought. And if they have this signaling function, then they emit a specific electromagnetic wavelength that influences um, the cell and initiates repair. And so this is one of the reasons that uh, people are very cautious now, or hopefully people are cautious now, about not overloading on antioxidants. Because if you do too many antioxidants, essentially supplemental antioxidants, you can shut down that signaling process, in which case you're kind of undermining your health rather than supporting it. That's a great point. I know I've seen the research on that recently and the recommendation to, as much as possible, just obtain antioxidants from food. Um, and I guess you probably agree with that statement. And um, so I, before we can go deeper in the science, I feel like we also need to uh, introduce the idea of the device that you helped create, the NanoV. So can you walk us through um, what the process was of the, figuring out how to create this device and what it does? Yes, it's uh, the scientific research was done by others, essentially. The, uh, in biology, physics, chemistry, uh, they recognized some of these signaling mechanisms and also the important role that water plays in the, in the signaling and, in fact, in all cellular activities. And so there's a number of areas of science that had all advanced to the point that we could leverage that information and uh, also the technology had advanced so that it had become possible to, um, to mimic what the body's doing 
technologically. And 20 years ago, that was not possible. And so all these things came together so that we could create uh, this product. But it involved the, the scientific research, the engineering research and development, you know, the product development registrations with different countries and regulatory authorities, quality assurance systems, university testing, validation research, and so on. So overall, it's a it's a big and, and long process. Got it. And so can you kind of walk us through the scientific mechanism of how the device works? I know from what you said about DNA damage and the aging process that it obviously acts there. There's a component there. And I will say having met you in person and the rest of the team, like that's proof enough to me that it works because you guys all look amazing. But I'm curious to really <laughs> understand the science. Yeah, sure. Let me, um, to do that, let me just kind of go through a few key points because they all kind of build together. Um, the first one is that uh, about 99% of the molecules in the body are water. So the water plays a really key role, and that's what we leverage in our technology. And then secondly, we already discussed how the free radicals or oxidative damage are constantly damaging all the cell components, DNA, proteins, mitochondria, and so on. Um, the next point I think I already made, but just as a reminder, the proteins do all the work in the body. They're called the workhorse of the body, everything from movement to fixing any of the oxidative damage. And the proteins are immersed in water. And so in order for them to function, this is, this is the new bit, in order for them to function, they have to be folded into three-dimensional structures. And, and it's a, a complex process where they have to be just the right shape in order to function correctly. And so they interact with the cellular water um, and and create those three-dimensional shapes. Well, of course, the oxidative damage is, is hurting those shapes and causing them to unfold. And so that's an ongoing process. Where we come in is our device helps the proteins to, to go through that folding process by influencing the cellular water. So the water that all proteins are immersed in is adjusted slightly by our technology. That helps them to fold correctly. Then they can function correctly. And that is completely up to the body what needs to get done. So all we do is support underneath and then all the repair mechanisms and priorities and and so on are that's all established by the body so none of that natural wisdom is overridden by what we do that makes sense so um and i i have a, like a background in research and science and i feel like this is still even above my head it's such an amazing concept um so what is the kind of the bioidentical signal from the device that's causing the structuring is it electromagnetic or auditory or what causes that change it's actually electromagnetic and it's a specific wavelength in the electromagnetic spectrum. It's at the, where it sits is uh, at the very high end of the near-infrared spectrum. And so that, um, if you think about infrared technologies like lasers um, or uh, pulse EMF and so on, those technologies are typically six to 800 nanometers, maybe a little bit more. Our device is up above 1,200 nanometers, and what we're doing will not go through the skin. It has to go through the water. 
So that's our delivery is through a humidified airstream. And um, so it's, it is, you know, in, in some senses, it's sort of this um, kind of indirectly near infrared technology, but it's outside of the range where most of us think of, of being infrared. Okay, that makes sense. So basically, the only way the body can intake it is through, basically, it's entering through the lungs because it's in that humidified water. Yes. And so the way it gets in is through the mucous membrane. It has to touch the water, the watery surfaces in the body. So when you inhale it through you know, the nose or into the lungs, then all of that is that connection to the water, which is essential for what we do. Okay. Because I know I've gotten to try the device before and even have ordered one now to have in my home. And it's basically like a super simple device that I'm going to keep by my computer and just have it on um, and it's, it's not for a lot of time, right? There's different levels, but it's not a huge time commitment, especially because you can do it while you're doing something else. Exactly. And that's very common, both in um, clinical sent- settings or at home where people are, you know, combining it with different things. So why do you think, I know there's so many um, different health approaches out there right now and different devices. Why do you think this is the way to go? Why do you think this is such an important technology? This technology has absolutely no potential for harm. The way it works is just to support the body. If the body didn't need that, well, we wouldn't be aging if the body didn't need some help. But (laughs) um, if it didn't need that, it would simply be ignored. And the key here is that it's biophysics, not biochemistry. And so we're not adding a pharmaceutical or a supplement or something that could Uh, be too much for the body. We are just um, using a biophysical approach to support the body. And that that is a a really kind of a special technology that has so much potential for benefit without the potential for harm. That's so fascinating. Are there, have you guys done any clinical work, clinical studies around this um, to kind of see what the data does? Yes, we've done, um, we've done research on the technology itself. Um, which is is part of that whole product process, and then on on human beings and how they respond. Uh, we don't look at disease states. We're a, a class one medical device, so we're not looking. We're not studying a specific disease. We're studying the aspects that underlie our health in general. So there are things like DNA damage, oxidative stress, immune response, inflammatory markers. Um, things that that represent health but are not specific diseases. That makes sense. But those are also all measurable, correct? There's metrics that you can track for those? Yes, absolutely. And we have them done with double-blind, placebo-controlled university research looking at those differences. So it has to be very verifiable. I love that. I knew that you came from a very well-researched background, and I love that you guys have done, because I know that's an expensive and lengthy process to do. I love that you guys have done that due diligence. And it's so rare, I feel like, even in the more naturally-minded health world, to find something that doesn't have any potential for harm and that also has double-blind clinical studies. That's a gold standard that you don't see very often. And I'm curious, what um, what kind of people are you seeing currently use the NanoV technology? Um, where is it being most implemented so far? Well, we have three areas. The first one and the the one that was most used when we first uh, released the product was for chronic illness. All chronic illness is related to oxidative damage. 
And so that was the biggest area in centers by individuals at home and also in centers or clinics. Um, the next area is one that we love, and you also, I think, really appreciate, is the, the wellness and healthy aging where people are trying to maintain their health, not, not recover it after there's already been a lot of damage. And so that's been a really big growing area for us. And also the one that's growing quickly right now is sports and performance and really the whole spectrum from weekend warriors to high-end professional athletes using the device to uh, recover faster, maintain their health because athletes, especially endurance athletes, are, you know, there's a lot of oxidative damage. So they want to make sure that they're repairing it and staying as healthy as, as they can. So those are the three big areas for us. Um, we see it combined in, you know, in wellness centers. It really combines well with hyperbarics or cryotherapy. Um, it's used in performance centers sometimes in conjunction with other recovery devices. Uh, it's used in weight loss centers or in the workplace for companies that are trying to maintain the health of their employees. That makes sense. And you just actually touched on one of my next questions, which was, um, because we know, for instance, with especially endurance athletes, they are creating all these the extra oxidative stress by its nature. I know people love to do that, and I have only respect for people who can, but it is very stressful on the body. Um, and I know also personal friends who are using hyperbaric oxygen to help work through several different conditions. And that was going to be my question is, we know that hyperbaric, for instance, increases the oxygen in the cells and the blood, but it can also increase the reactive oxygen species. So that makes sense to me that you would you would pair these together, basically. So someone after hyperbaric would do this. It has been, it's really taken off with hyperbaric centers, the adoption of it, because they can look, they can compare the results with and without. And the two of them combine really nicely, um, that repair aspect, but also um, because of the way it works to, our device improves mitochondrial function, it improves the utilization of oxygen, they they can get a bigger kick from a hyperbaric center. So they get better results and they have that reduction in oxidative damage. That is really fascinating. It makes total sense though. Um, and I know that's a growing area as well, hyperbaric. So I love that those are being paired. And I think um, I've said this before, I'm curious your take that uh, unfortunately, I feel like our current, our, everybody alive right now, we have to face a lot more potential damage than potentially previous generations did. Like I look back to my grandparents or great grandparents and their diets were just naturally more nutrient dense because the soil was more nutrient dense and they typically had less stress and they dealt with less obesity and they have all these different factors in their favor. Whereas I feel like now we're kind of operating at a time where we do have to be a little more proactive about our health just to maintain, like you said, keep a health um, a baseline and not encounter disease just because we're constantly bombarded with so much more. But have you seen that as well, either personally or in research? I absolutely agree with that. I, I guess starting with personally, it, it's just very clear that to me that that's the case. And it's fine to say, oh, you know, eat really good food, but it's another matter to, to find the soils and, and all of that, um, that that produces that food that's actually as nutrient dense as it was 100 years ago. It, it's really, it, it's really, you know, much more challenging. 
Um, so, and then scientifically, I think I'd have to say that that's not really my area to, to kind of look into it, but I think there's huge evidence of it, including the, you know, our national agencies. So it's, it, to me, that seems rather indisputable. Yeah, I agree, unfortunately. And that's, that's my passion and how I got into this is just realizing kind of what an uphill battle our children are going to face and trying to, um, like you mentioned before, give them the best start where they don't have to come back from chronic disease. They can hopefully um, not have it in the first place. Another question I've been meaning to ask you is, so with the name Nano-V, where did the name come from? And does that indicate that there's like a nanotechnology uh, aspect of this? It is. It's... Um... It is a it is a made up name, but the nano aspect of it, yeah, this is happening. It's biophysics is happening at a very 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 small scale, and so that's kind of at the heart of it. The V is has a lot of different meanings, um, from you know vibration to uh, vitality and and so on. Got it. And so I know a lot of people um, listening, just based on reader surveys, I know that quite a few people are either practitioners, chiropractors, or married to doctors or chiropractors, um, or people who may be interested in actually getting the device. I'd love to talk a little bit more about um, where they can actually find it, how they can get it, and the cost involved, just because I like to be super upfront about all those things. So if you don't mind tackling that. No, I don't mind at all. And I love it when practitioners get it. We have a, a great number of home users as well. But when practitioners get a device and make it available to multiple people, it becomes a very effective and cost-effective device. So it's ideal. Of course, if we could all afford one in our own home, that would be great too. So on the side of the cost for practitioners, there's really two professional devices. One of them is a 15-minute device, and the other is half an hour. So it depends on the, the context in a center, what fits in best. Um, and then there's also a home device, which is an hour-long session time, um, not really used professionally, but um, if, if, it's, uh, if it fits into somebody's schedule at home, that could be a good way to go. So starting with that device, uh, the price is a little over $5,000. The medium device, which is a half-hour session time, is um, eight, over $8,000. And the high-end device, which is a 15-minute session time, is a little more than uh, $13,000, closer to $14,000. So th that's sort of the price range of the devices. And as I mentioned at the very beginning, Multiple people share them in a family or in a, in a wellness center so that they can be really quite cost effective. There's no ongoing cost uh, to operation, but we love to see them in, in shared environments because then you can leverage it across many people. For sure. I mean, as you're saying that, I'm thinking like massage places would be, that'd be awesome to have while you're getting a massage or co-working spaces. There's so many ways where they could be shared. Even if the cost is prohibitive for one person, they could be kind of shared amongst a group and a lot of people could benefit. Yeah. And you're kind of hitting on something that I have a personal interest in, which is community health. You know, that that we kind of do things together and, and help advance uh, a whole community. I am going to come back to that in just a second because that's a huge passion point for me as well. Can you also just explain really quickly why they have different amounts of time? It's really just the output of the device, how powerful they are. Uh, that's really the biggest, uh, that's the big factor so that 
you get more of a kick from the most powerful device and therefore need less time on it. That said, many people spend more time on the more powerful device. So it's not that that's, you know, that's all you can do in a day. It's just that those are the equivalent times. Okay. So basically the an hour on the lower device would be the equivalent to 15 minutes on the higher device, but there wouldn't be any maximum dose since it's completely safe, right? Right. So you have the most powerful device and you could use it maybe twice a day for 20 minutes. I tend to use it more because I have one in my office and you might be the same way if it's by your desk. You just use it, you know, there's no reason not to use it almost if it's handy. And I put it on typically once in the morning and once in the afternoon but the session times will almost always be much more than 15 minutes. Okay, that's a great tip. So back to the community, because this has been my current passion of research recently, just because I ran across studies and statistics that said, literally having a strong and healthy community is more important than exercise. It's more important than quitting smoking as far as longevity and long-term health markers. So like the data shows, we know that we need other people. We need strong relationships with other people. And obviously we also want these other people that we love to be healthy and live a long time. But I'd love to hear your take on it and what you see and what you personally believe as far as community. Well, I, I completely agree with you in, um, community in general, and I have also been reading and seeing the, that research and looking at um, just how powerful that is. Um, but when I think of the community health, I'm being, I'm being a little bit more um, economic, I think, which is that um, if we share devices and we share knowledge, we can advance everybody in the group so much more than if everybody has their own silo and they they you know they're buying their own goods and so on. And so I'm really thinking of it it's the to me it's the only way to make preventative health widely available is is to share it. And I'm very sensitive to economic issues. I know our device is expensive, but I also I'm always looking for ways that um that engage every you know every level rather than just sort of something that's available to the the wealthy. I completely agree. One of my dreams and something I hope to actually put into action in the next year or so is to create mini wellness labs that would be in local communities where people could go similar to a gym, but that would have more of these kind of wellness devices and potentially also exercise equipment, but that would have some of these more expensive devices so that a large group could share them. And also it could be a place where people can come together and talk and enjoy community while getting health beneficial treatment. So I, I love that you said that. And um, I think you're right. I think that's a perfect way to spread it out. And um, from my side and the, the less scientific side, I would say it's also just great for other health markers and for your mental health to have that community. So maybe that's something that can be um, built and planned in communities around the country where there's areas focused on wellness and, and community. I think you are describing the the future. I just don't see it going in any other direction. We, we need that to to make you know proper wellness accessible, and we need it you know emotionally, psychologically, and um, essentially rebuilding uh, community and as is this key aspect of society of of happy people. 
Absolutely. And I know our family personally, we've made the decision to um, go with much less expensive healthcare options rather than really like high priced insurance that would cover everything. And to spend that difference more focused on wellness and preventative care, realizing that in the long term, it seems to actually um, save money. And I know a lot of people are kind of on that wavelength. And my personal opinion is that with this so-called healthcare crisis that we have, that the solution maybe doesn't even need to come from the top down. Maybe it needs to come from the individuals up and we need to take more ownership and become advocates in our own health. And I think that's a part of your message as well, because you're providing a device that really lets people become an active part of their own wellness versus having to go um, to a doctor to get diagnosed with a condition before they do something. I, I completely agree. And we do the very same thing where we have the sort of the major medical, but invest directly in the, in the wellness and prevention, the, the ways to really support our health. And I would argue, I mean, even more that we, we don't have a health care crisis as much as we have a health crisis. You know, we need to solve the health part of it and the care part of it goes away. Absolutely. The statistics there are completely staggering. And I agree with you 100% on that. Do you see or is there a potential in the future that the NanoV could be approved um, for specific cases? Or is it um, because it's so safe, is it actually not going to ever be able to be indicated for like, for instance, something like cancer or chronic disease? It's interesting. It could be, it could certainly could pass the, the clinical testing for a disease. We haven't done the clinical testing, but we certainly have more than enough evidence to suggest that the, all of that is possible. Um, the, there are issues around billing codes. So even if you had um, an indication for one of these illnesses, um, if it couldn't be billed to insurance, it might not be possible to implement it. And so our device is not one that fits nicely into the billing codes for insurance companies. <laughs> and so we don't foresee that being um, a very realistic possibility for this kind of technology. That makes sense. And I, yeah, I feel like that's a frustration for a lot of people in the health world in different areas. And uh, maybe that'll be something that one day can get resolved as well. But for now, I'm glad that it's available without that. You can just go directly and get it yourself versus even having to go through a doctor and through insurance. Um, and if you don't mind getting a little personal for a minute, I'm always so curious when people are such high achievers who have maintained a high level of health and you've done it without even like getting wrinkles or looking stressed at all. So I have to ask you, <laughs> like, what does your normal lifestyle and day look like? Because I am fascinated by that. <laughs> um, I think you're far too complimentary, and I'm just glad there's not an actual video with this podcast. <laughs> um, I have uh, I haven't been without my challenges, and uh, but what I do generally a normal day is I don't I do intermittent fasting probably five to six days a week, not every day, um, and so I normally wouldn't eat before around noon or something. I'm not very religious about this. And then I, I need to eat all three meals because otherwise I would lose weight. So I, I, I cram the three meals into six or seven hours a day. And um, I also uh, exercise pretty regularly, often not very aggressively. And one thing that's really helped me is high-intensity training. It's also called super slow, but it's heavy heavier weights done very slowly with relatively few repetitions, maybe, you know, four or five or six repetitions is all 
uh, before you go to failure on the muscle group. So those are those are really the things I've done. I do spend a lot of time on a rebounder, but that's not very you know hard exercise. I'm a big fan of rebounders. We, um, when our oldest kids were young, we replaced our coffee table with a rebounder because it's great for us and it's great for the kids to get their energy out. And I don't regret it for a second. It's been awesome. Yeah, that's a great thing. And one thing I didn't mention, which maybe is the most important thing, is to get out in nature. If I can be out hiking or I was out kayaking a little while ago or whatever I can do to be you know, outside and more immersed in nature is invaluable to me. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think we ignore so often the factors that can make the biggest difference, like nature and community. And like you don't necessarily see an immediate change in lab results, but over time you definitely do. And um, that was one thing. I recently came back from Europe and I was so struck by how, first of all, they have communities that come together almost every night and support each other, but also they they don't exercise, they move just as part of daily life, whether they're walking somewhere or working outside or whatever, um, they rest more for as well. Um, but they incorporate all of those things that you just mentioned into their daily lives so much better than we do. And I think we could all learn from that. Just the time in nature is amazing. Yeah. And actually there's evidence on that now where the, the healthiest populations are the ones that just move as part of their natural world rather than you know, sign up for a, a fitness class or something. For sure. Because I know the data is out there that like, for instance, an hour in the gym doesn't counteract sitting all day. And there was the, I've kind of laughed to see the the last few years of the media coverage because first it was sitting is the new smoking. And then it was like, oh, wait, turns out just standing at a desk is also bad for you. And what we actually need to do is just move around and not be doing the same thing all day long at all. It's it's hard. I have a stand up. I'm standing right now, but I I do try to put it up and down a little bit uh, throughout the day. But really, uh, a short 10 minute walk would would probably be far better. Yeah, I think this is one area I can learn from my kids for sure, because they do it right now, summertime, especially they are just running constantly or riding bikes or climbing trees or they're never in the same position for more than two minutes. It's incredible. Um, okay, so a couple other questions I love to ask. Well, first of all, do you have anything else about DNA repair or the Nano V that you want to make sure we cover before we move on? I don't think so. Uh, go, you go for it. Sounds good. You covered it so well. I'm impressed by how concisely you can cover such a complicated topic because it took me a while to research and really understand it, and I'm so excited to be able to implement it now. This podcast is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. My kitchen is always stocked with their coffee mushroom blends, their matcha mix, and their straight mushroom drinks. Four Sigmatic has figured out how to get the benefits of mushrooms like chaga, lion's mane, cordyceps, and reishi into delicious instant drinks. My current favorite is their their adaptogen coffee blend that has Tulsi and astragalus, but I love all of their products. They have options with or without caffeine, so if you're not a caffeine person, you can find products that you'll love. Um, And I find that even their coffee blends that do contain caffeine have less than a normal cup of coffee, but don't let this fool you. I have found I get so much more focus and mental clarity from these mushroom blends than I do from regular coffee and without the jitters. The addition of the mushrooms, which are considered nootropics, meaning that they are good for the brain, makes these superfood blends more effective and much healthier than just regular old coffee. I love them with a dash of macadamia milk personally. I also love that many of their drink mixes are instant and packaged into individual servings, so they're perfect for travel or on the go. If you're listening to this, then you can get a special offer just for listeners of this podcast by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash go 
forward slash F-O-U-R dash S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C. That's wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash four dash sigmatic. This podcast is brought to you by Kettle and Fire. You may already know that this is my go-to bone broth because it is shelf stable, it's easy to use, and it's delicious. But you may not know that Kettle and Fire just released brand new bone broth-based soups, which make it even more convenient to eat healthy on the go. Plus, they save a lot of time when you're trying to feed the whole family on a busy night, and they are delicious. They have miso, tomato, and butternut, and they're all really, really good. Plus, they have a 20-hour slow simmer process for their broth that extracts an insane amount of protein, 10 grams per serving, and this creates a collagen-rich broth that is great for hair and skin and nails. My favorite part is it only takes a minute to heat up any of these broths or soup on the stove, and I can keep a case in my pantry so it's there anytime I need it. Right now, you can save 10% by going to kettleandfire.com forward slash mama, M-A-M-A. The discount is already built in, so just remember that link, kettleandfire.com forward slash mama. Um, But a question I love to ask is, off topic, but is there a book that has really impacted your life or a favorite book that you have? Oh, I have, um, could I do two, one professional and one personal? Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, so personally, and this was a really long time ago, but The Power of Now was probably that big impact book for me personally, just being present and learning how to kind of pay pay attention without using your mind to... (laughs) To just being present. And so that was a good one for me. But the one that's um, professionally, which is so interesting, is called The Fourth Phase of Water. And it's by Gerald Pollack. And it's about the special properties of water and how unique and amazing it is. And it's written by a very serious scientist and written at a very um, user-friendly level so that uh, Normal people can understand it, and it's had a big impact for me and many, many people I know. So that would be my my number one pick as sort of a recommendation. I will add that to my list. Do you see um, things like the the fourth phase of water and like the technology behind the nano V and the more the physics side of um, our bodies and our understanding? Do you see that being an area of research growth in the next years or decades? Oh, that is the perfect question for me because I. I think it's huge, and what I see as a, a a correction that needs to be made is that we have had a historic focus on biochemistry, on substances, pharmaceuticals, supplements, and so on, and especially in the United States, we look at the biochemistry, and it's a very big industry, but really the biophysics and and the issues around the the water are areas where we have huge potential um, for benefit, far less potential for harm, and that there's there's just huge opportunities in the in the biophysics of it. And I think that's really the last 20 years where that's really come online. But I see that as a future direction in the U.S. I should add that in places like Russia and Germany. The biophysics, they paid attention to that for a very long time. So it's not necessarily new. It's just, I think, a shift in focus. And I think the fact that our um, our health system can't sustain the biochemical approach, um, 
I think that really opens the door for for other approaches as well. Yeah, I agree. And I would love to hear if you would agree with my explanation, but I've kind of heard it explained like in a pyramid sense. Um, we started like kind of at the top, understanding just the body in a very like physical anatomical sense. And then we did kind of get this understanding of the chemical side and the biochemical interactions that happen between pharmaceuticals, even supplements and how they interact. And we're kind of stuck there. Whereas the base of this and the really the most effective and biggest part of it is this energetic physical physics side that we are just barely starting to kind of touch the tip of the iceberg of understanding. Is that an accurate, would you say that's an accurate understanding or is, would you do it a different way? No, I agree with that. I agree with that completely that, that you're, you're, I'm completely on side with you. And, um, if you think about letting the body operate its own way, that the body actually knows how to repair and recover, and it just needs support, then you can't override it with a, a substance that that's going to go throughout the body. It's going to go places you didn't want it to go, but you can't prevent that, and so on. And so there's real limitations to to how much we can do by by just say adding pharmaceuticals. I absolutely agree. And lastly, is there if there was a piece of advice that you could spread far and wide or give to a lot of people, um, what would it be? I would say to never underestimate the body's ability to repair itself. That's my biggest piece of advice. It has fantastic capacity for repair. And you you just can't underestimate that. You you work with it and find ways to, to support it in those processes. But um, we tend to focus on uh, what's wrong, you know, that a disease or whatever. But really, what the body's doing right is just amazing. It's, it's fixing all this free radical damage, quadrillions of hits, you know, every day. And it does a lot of a lot of things right. And that that capacity to fix things is almost unlimited. I agree. And let people know where to find you and this te technology online. Um, I'll also, of course, link in the show notes at wellnessama.fm, but let people know if they're just listening where they can find it. Sure. Our, um, our company is called ENG3, E-N-G-3 Corporation, and that's our URL, which is eng3corp.com. And you mentioned the technology is Nano-V, and so those are also fairly findable. And, um, you're, you know, people are more than welcome to email or call. Um, we, we interact with people all the time, so I would invite you to, to feel free to do that. Absolutely. And also, I forgot to ask earlier, I have some close friends who are in the dental field. Are there any applications, or do you have anyone in the dental field using this? Because I know that like whenever there's dental problems, there is oxidative stress as well. Is there any mechanism for use there? Yes, dentists use it for uh, faster recovery. So for them, if they have a, an open wound in the mouth, like an extraction or something, that's a, there's the potential for, for that to go badly. So the faster they can repair a patient, the better. And so we have um, the integrative dentists will use it to support the repair process and also it will help it, it they'll use it after um, a procedure because it helps people kind of come back to life and re-energize uh, and just kind of help them feel better. So we definitely have integrative dentists doing it 
And they're the ones you want to go to. You know, they're the ones that are looking for solutions to help their patients do better. Agreed. It's another area that I hope we see a lot of uh, growth and research over the next couple of decades. And I know that there are some amazing integrative pioneering dentists out there, and I'm grateful for them for sure. Um, but that's really cool that it can be used that way as well. Yes. Yeah, definitely. We've had, you know, many years now we've had dentists using it. Well, Rowena, thank you so much for your time. It's, this is such a fascinating topic for me. And like I said, I feel like this is part of a very exciting area of research. And I love that you guys are on the cutting edge of that and making this available to people. And um, I'll, of course, put the link in the show notes, especially anyone with a, any kind of wellness practice or chiropractor, or doctor practice, they can reach out to you and find out more. But thank you so much for your time for being here. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to speak with you again. And uh, you have a great day. Thank you. You too. And thanks to all of you for listening. And I hope to see you again next time on the Healthy Moms Podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time. And thanks as always for listening.